0: Hello Sunshine, I am Alexi Lalas, and welcome to the State of the Union Podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue colored glasses. Joining me as always, my friend, my colleague, my guiding light, a soccer savant and a Fox Soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. David Mossy, ladies and gentlemen, here on this Thursday, December 7th in the year 2023, a live State of the Union going out on all of our social media platforms out there. And why? Because it's a special occasion. We just have come off the set of the Copa America 2024 Copa America draw. And if that wasn't enough just to have David Mossy with us, we also have our special friend, Stu Holden, ladies and gentlemen, surprise guest, also right off the set. And thank you, Stu, because I know in a few mere hours you are you are going over to LAX and then immediately on a plane by way of Atlanta to the great city. Yeah, I'm hey, I'm
1: racking up these air miles. End of year push here. You know, Germany, Spain, Germany, Paris, back here to Ohio Delta. Let's go. Mossy, how you doing, by the way?
2: I know you were in Hamburg for the Euro draw. We got through a draw today without any porno noises during the ceremony. <laughs>
0: all right, well, well listen, uh, unlike the draw... <laughs> Said deadpan as well, I love it. <laughs> unlike the draw that we just that we just witnessed uh, with all of the crazy stuff, uh, don't bore us, get to the chorus. So we are going to go right into the draw. We're going to go through it group by group. We know we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the U.S., but we'd like to you know be respectful in terms of the groups that are, that are laid out. So we're going to start... With Group A, as everybody knows, this is a group of sixteen. This is a uh, tournament of sixteen teams. Group A, we come to find out, Argentina, number one team in the world, Peru, Chile, and then the possibility. I hope I get this right because there was a lot of discrepancy. a possibility of either our friends to the uh, Great White North, Canada, or our friends to the uh, South, TNT, Trinidad and Tobago. All right, when you look at this Group A, I'll start with you uh, over there, Stu, because you're, you're you're hot off the presses, if you will. Uh, what what stands out to you?
1: Uh, I think this is the group of life. I, I think this is the easiest group of them all, because, look, uh, when you look at this Peruvian team right now, I know they finished second, uh, they finished into the semi-final in 2021, but their last place in World Cup qualifying, cor- currently in CONMEBOL. they've yet to win a game. I-, I think it's a weak team. Chile's struggling as well. They've recently just replaced their manager. And then you're either going to get a Canadian team, which uh, this does not look like the Canada- the team that we from- saw from the last cycle in CONCACAF. We haven't or, seen that team at all. Yeah, we haven't seen that team at all. I-, I didn't even know what to make of this. The interim head coach as well, John Herdman's moved on. So, I think whoever you get out of that matchup, whoever's the qualifying team, Argentina's got to be pretty good. So that, that's the headlining team. Now, what Argentina are we going to get? Is this going to be Lionel Messi's potential last international tournament? Lionel Scaloni's saying he might walk away as well after the Copa America. So you know, this is still Argentina. I expect Argentina to absolutely roll well, through that group. By the group.
0: way, if Canada does become that fourth team, uh, first game against Argentina, good luck with that uh, <laughs> yeah. to our friends, for the great white north. Mossy, uh, Group A, anything stand out?
2: Oh, and Di Maria has already said he's retired. That's his last game, yeah. Um, after the Copa America, so that's the first shooter drop. And I agree with you. I'm curious to see if this will be the last dance, this Copa, or whether they'll keep it going until the Messi's World retired Cup. before, Messi, though, right? Scaloni, et cetera. But yeah, I, I think Canada are one of the big winners of this draw. If they can get past TNT, which I think they will, this is a group they can get out of. Uh, I agree with you. Peru and Chile are two spent forces. Ricardo Gareca was a miracle worker with Peru. Uh, he's left. Reynoso is come and gone. They don't have a coach right now. Chile, they squeeze as much as they could out of that golden generation. Nothing has come up behind them. Uh, Your boy Berizzo just resigned. They don't have a coach right now. Canada doesn't have a permanent coach. That's kind of a theme in this group, but I do think uh, all these teams by the summer will have sorted that out. And yeah, that would be the opening match of the tournament, Argentina, Canada in Atlanta. So that'd be a fun one to kick things off.
0: All right. So obviously a lot of the talk in this tournament is going to be about Messi now playing in his backyard uh, in the United States after coming to Inter Miami. Uh, And also the dynamic now of the world champions, Argentina, now going to defend their championship in, in 2026, but also now strutting on the field as world champions. And that can change the dynamic slightly. I hope but this is not the swank song. I hope that this isn't the end for Messi next summer. I hope he actually uses this summer to say, you know what? I feel good. I'm playing well. The team's playing well. And I, I hope that fire burns in him to want to defend it. Because nobody would have begrudged him walking off, saying, yeah. loom, goodbye, goodbye, and riding off into the sunset.
1: But how do you feel about this Argentina team right now? I mean, are, are you as bullish as we were on them during the World Cup and what we saw them do? I mean, do you feel... Because I I get the sense in listening to Scaloni, seeing and feeling some of the rumblings from underneath the surface, when you reach that level and you win a World Cup and you've won the Copa America, you've done almost everything perfectly, You know, how do you find the ways now to motivate this team and keep them going one step further with an aging Lionel Messi, Angel Di Maria is going to be gone. So I'm kind of curious how you guys feel about how we look at this Argentine team. As your point saying, defending now, But not just for the Copa America, but then the World Cup as well. I know it's Argentina and you've got Julian Alvarez and, you know, Lautaro Martinez and all these guys. I I don't know if I feel the same way about them as I did heading into the World Cup.
2: I I do. I think they've made an incredibly strong start to the cycle. They had a recent loss to Uruguay La Bomanera in qualifying. But other than that, they've been lights out. And as you mentioned, overall, it's not that aging of a squad. There are guys like Alvarez, Lautaro, Enzo Fernandez, McAllister in the midfield who have emerged. And so... Uh, no, I, I think they, they keep this going as long as they want to. They're in dreamland right now. They won the last Copa America. They won the World Cup. They're ranked number one in the world. They've completely flipped the rivalry with Brazil. They just won at the Maracanã in qualifying. So I think they want to keep this going for as long as they can.
0: You were really bullish about Canada in this group. This is the first time I've heard that uh, over the last couple of hours here. Do you have Argentina and Canada coming out of this group then?
2: Yes. Oh, really? Yeah
0: you're you're being knighted up there in the in the great white north i do not have canada coming out of this group i would go argentina and uh, let's go with peru um all right moving on to uh, group b uh, our friends el tree leading up that group keep in mind mexico at uh, ranked and these are fifa rankings i know take them for what they are grain of salt and all that but mexico at 14 mexico ecuador venezuela Vinatito, and uh, jamaica all right Uh, Stu, any first thoughts on uh, Group B?
1: Yeah, uh, look, Ecuador, I had a lot higher hopes for them at the last World Cup than I think they ended up achieving not getting out of the group, which was very disappointing because I think, you know, this is a team with tons of young talent. I mean, Incapié right now doing excellent at Bayer Leverkusen. Estupiñan, I think, is one of the best left backs in the world. You know, you're losing and moving on now in terms of Valencia being gone, their all-time leading goal scorer. But <laughs> weirdly, the team they beat in the first game of the World Cup now is their coach in Felix Sanchez from Qatar. And, you know, he's actually had a pretty good start to life. So I think that's a strong team going to be a difficult one for Mexico. They'll see them in the last match Mexico and Jamaica. I mean, that's, you know, a game we see consistently in Gold Cups and in CONCACAF, Jamaica. man, They, the they can, cause Mexico. They can cause Mexico problems. This is a Mexican team. And I think it's something we should talk about is in terms of their confidence. Where are they at? Jaime Lozano, you know, Jimmy Lozano, Lamborghini, like they, they win the Gold Cup. They had the strongest team than anybody in that Gold Cup. Everybody else, essentially, the United States had a B team. So, you know, I'm not convinced that Mexico, this is them back and they've got their mojo back. I, I think they waited too long to move on from that generation of Guardado and Hector Herrera and, you know, Chicharito, those players... And we've yet to kind of see what we've seen from the U.S., which is that next generation emerge. Come up against Jamaica, who keep finding these dual nationals and bringing over Michael Antonio and Premier League players that have good quality. I think Jamaica could cause an upset in that first game.
2: Remember on Mexico, if not for an Edson Alvarez goal in the 11th minute of yeah. stoppage time, <laughs> they would be in Group D in this draw as CONCACAF Playoff B having a crazy play, yeah. uh, Costa Rica in the playoff just to get in the Copa America. But yeah, you rattle off some of the Ecuador players one guy you left out is this 16-year-old Kendry Paez, who has already scored in World Cup qualifying. I think he's a potential story in yeah. this tournament. Oh, uh, and Moises Caicedo. That, yeah. Moises Caicedo, obviously. Yep. And Kendry Paez has already signed with Chelsea. He'll go there when he turns 18, where he'll be a teammate of Moises Caicedo. So, yeah, Ecuador, this is a really interesting group, very balanced. You know, Venezuela, they're the only Commonwealth nation not to qualify for a World Cup. They're one of only two Commonwealth nations not to win a Copa America, Ecuador being the other. But Venezuela has made a Fly, strong start yeah. to... Qualifying. Um, so, yeah, they're an interesting team as well. So, uh, yeah, this group is fascinating to me.
0: This pendulum that we always talk about when it comes to Mexico and the U.S. and the compare and contrast going on, it has swung well towards the U.S. And it is stuck there now for a while. And to your point, Stu, they all kind of be. They all are kind of looking around, kind of like Germany right now. It's all just looking around, and saying, "Yeah, but we're in Germany's case. We're Germany or Mexico. Yeah, but we're Mexico," and just hoping for everything to come good from the soccer gods. But not a whole lot in the pipe in the pipeline there. And I think for you know, for, for the mental health, if you will, of the fans, the Mexican El Tri fans, uh, for the press. And I think even more internally for this team, they need to have a good summer. And this is a theme that we're going to talk a lot about relative to 2026 is what 2024 and the Copa America presents for these teams and how they can use it to drive forward into 2026. And I think if anybody out there needs a good 26 or a good 24 Copa America, uh, it's Mexico, but they're gonna have their, uh, their hands full. But right off the bat, they get to play against Jamaica. They know Jamaica. I think they would feel confident playing again in the US. And this is the other thing with a lot of yeah, these they're, teams.
1: They're, America's number one home Mexico, team, by fact, the way way.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of these teams that have huge, huge fan bases over here. And so the home team, if you will, when we start watching these games next summer, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what the makeup is of this, of the, uh, of the crowd. How much is for one side? How much is for the other side going forward? And how much an advantage that is? Yeah. All right. Uh,
1: just, just quickly on that, though, because I, I think Masi brought up a point about the coaches at the beginning, and. You know, you've got coaches in South America just in, coaches being fired and qualifying. Jimmy Lozano was hired as an interim head coach to lead the team through the Gold Cup. He gets the job permanently. First Mexican head coach uh, now since uh, Herrera, the last one. But if he doesn't do well in the Copa America, fuera, Fuera. Fuera. out. I mean, it's the same way when you think this is going to be his first big tournament as a head coach. He did well with Mexico in the Olympics, but that's under 23. Now, this is this is the big stage. They have to perform, much like Greg Berhalter. We're going to talk about pressure on coaches throughout these experiences, but if he doesn't get it right, Mexico, they're not afraid to cut that coach, and he's going to be out, and they'll be looking for somebody else to 26. And the
0: way this tournament is set up in terms of the groups, your first games are against the well the lower-ranked team. Whether they're inferior, it remains to be seen. But a lot of these teams, at least on paper, have the opportunity to build up to that third game when, again, on paper, it is the most competitive going forward. All right. Uh, We're not burying the lead, but like we said, we wanted to be respectful and go through the groups here. Group C, the United States group, USA, Uruguay, Panama, and Bolivia. If I am Greg Berhalter right now, he's probably in a car heading back to a very fancy hotel and maybe a very fancy meal there in uh, Miami. I'm licking my chops. I am saying this is a great group. This is a Winnable group. This is a group that is competitive, and I think you said on air today, uh, Stu, that you know you do want to have some competition in this, especially given the fact that we're not going to have a lot of competition when it comes to the to the U.S. Again, U.S. will play Bolivia first. If the U.S. can't find a way to beat Bolivia in the United States in 2024 in a Copa America, <laughs> then we got a, we got much much bigger problems. Then Panama, we know them well. Good team, not a great team, and the U.S. should be favored, and the U.S. should. Therefore, in those first two games, I would be disappointed if they came out with anything less than six points. Two wins right there. So now you're sitting on the opportunity to win the group against the biggest competition, which is Uruguay. Everybody I've talked to in the hallways and, and you guys here, they're not scared, but it's, whoa, this is Uruguay. I'm not as scared as Uruguay uh, of Uruguay as as you guys. Tell me why I'm wrong.
1: Well, look, this is a, a nation historically, again, going all the way back to the beginnings of World Cups, Copa America is one of the most successful historic nations, especially considering their size. But I think, you know, when you look back at recent World Cups, I mean, 2010, they had a good run to a semi final. Uh, in the last World Cup, they were not as good as we've seen them before. The one before they lose to a Portuguese team that was good. But they have real talent, man. And you think about Valverde, a player playing at Real Madrid. Darwin Nunez playing at Liverpool. Pelistri is one of the exciting young players at Manchester United they're stacked from from front to back and now they have the one the only Marcelo Bielsa as the coach and I think he's found a style that suits this team better than previous coaches have because they you know they had a coach for what was it 30-40 years is one of the longest standing Tabarez is one of the longest standing international coaches of all time but now you've got a coach that is playing a high-octane, powerful style. They beat Argentina in World Cup qualifying. They beat Brazil. And I just think that they play in a way that's so in your face and difficult with the type of physical characters and also a little bit of nastiness sure. as well that, 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 that I think they, they makes them a, cha- a difficult opponent. And it's showing right now in qualifying. And I think they're going to mean business in the Copa America. That's why, that's why I, I, liked, I love this test for okay, the U.S., good. though. I love it.
0: Are they better than the Netherlands?
1: Are they better than the Netherlands? Because uh, I, I that's like a touchstone yeah, right now is that Netherlands game. I, I would take them in a one-off work. against the Netherlands. Okay, yeah. cool. Mossy? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think this was a great draw in terms of advancing, but a terrible draw in terms of winning the group. They got the toughest POP2 team they could have gotten. In fact, I think Uruguay is the second best team in this tournament behind Argentina. I'm I'm very high on them, as, as Stu is. I, yeah, as you know, I'm a Bielsa groupie. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, But yeah, that midfield Valverde, Bentancourt, Ugarte, the PSG player. They've got a guy in Araujo at the back who I think is Ooh, he's one a, of the best yeah, defenders in the world. The, the center forward dynamic is interesting. Nunez has clearly emerged. He's the top scorer in, in Commonwealth World Cup qualifying. They they did recall Suarez for the last two qualifiers. He's now going to Inter-Miami. We'll see how he does there. He was just voted, by the way, the player of the year in the Brazilian League. And so, you know, if Suarez is on the team come next summer, is he going to be comfortable just being the understudy to Nunez? Or yeah. is, there, is there a discussion there over uh, how they're going to develop I mean, those minutes? I,
1: but to be able to bring off the bench a guy it's like good Suarez is pretty good as long but as he yeah. doesn't take over the show but it doesn't strike me that he's
2: it's just something to keep an eye on but yeah the way the schedule lays out the fact that the U.S. and Uruguay play Panama and Bolivia first presumably they'll both win those two games and then it comes down to that show, showdown at Arrowhead to see who tops the group and I think there's a good chance the U.S. finishes second which could set up a quarterfinal matchup with Brazil which we'll get to in a minute
0: uh, okay so let's delve a little bit more into the U.S. in particular um, well, we've talked all about the pressure and the opportunity that exists next summer for this U.S. team and this U.S. team that is again I said on air today they're no longer young, all right? They're no longer green. They've been through a World Cup process. They've been they've been blooded, and therefore our expectations should be higher. I think the person that is under the most pressure is going to be Greg Berhalter. I think that this is a huge and vital and important summer for Greg Berhalter. So much so that if it does not go well, I think that there is a change made. Keep in mind. This is a Greg Berhalter who was given a second chance and a lot of people felt that he didn't deserve that second chance. This is a Greg Berhalter who I think is on a short leash when it comes to Matt Crocker who hired him. And not that he didn't hire him because he felt he was the best to do the job or that he didn't feel that he would get to 2026. But if there ever came a point where he felt it was not heading in the right direction, not only do I think he would do it, it's his responsibility to do that next summer. And if it does not go well for the U.S. and Greg Burhalter I would absolutely see U.S. soccer making a change here. And you know what? It would be legitimate. That's how important 2026 is to this team and obviously to the sport. You cannot afford to screw around when it comes to 2026. And so if you even have an inkling that it's not going in the direction that you want it to do you have, like I said, you have a responsibility to make the change. I think Greg Berhalter understands that. But
1: also your only time to make that change. Really, if you want to give a new coach an opportunity to have a longer leash. And look, we can't overstate enough that this is... The biggest moment for the United States before the World Cup. The only real time. Look, friendlies are friendlies. I, I know you can schedule against some of the best teams in the world. When you're playing them in a friendly environment, as opposed to a game in a knockout situation with a trophy on the line, it's not even. Or even comparable. qualifying process. So even, even the qualifying a, process is the same. The intensity is not the same. And so now, for this team, to your point, have played one major tournament now at a World Cup and have had some pretty good performances, but yet there's no marquee win. There's no marquee performance that has gone along with the three points and a big win where they can look back and say, you know, the England game I thought was excellent, but it was a tie, 0-0 tie. We didn't score, we didn't create enough chances. The Netherlands game, sure, there was some chances. Pulisic should have scored the chance. We lost. We got smashed at the end of that game. So now, I mean for you guys, what is success for this U.S. team in the Copa America? I mean, when you look at this, is it, is quarterfinals, but a great performance against Brazil? I mean, he was on penalties. I think
0: semifinals. Semifinals this, this team, or bust. This team has to get to, yeah, I think this team needs to get to the semifinals. And this is, by the way, this is not some historic feat. It's been done twice before by U.S. teams in Copa Americas. And if this is the group that we think it is and that everybody says it is, then that should, that's not ridiculous. I'm, I'm sick of the low expectations at this point. All right.
1: And But are they unrealistic expectations? I don't think that they're unrealistic. How good is this team? I don't
0: think they're unrealistic. And Greg Berholter actually on the interview with Jenny uh, before, before the, uh, the the draw was talking about we don't want to compete anymore. We want to actually beat these teams that we're yeah. talking about. I don't care how they do it, it really doesn't matter to me anymore. I want to win. I want to go up against these big teams, whether it's the Netherlands, whether it's in Uruguay or anybody else. When people say, you know what, this is a better team and the U.S. finds a way to win. Mossy.
2: By the way, I looked this up. You played in the 93 and 95. I did, yes. America's two was seven and nine years old. When was <laughs> uh, Appreciate I, I
1: that. think <laughs> this
2: draw uh, makes it completely unacceptable for the U.S. to go out in the group stage, but a bit more acceptable to go out in the quarterfinals if they, presumably it would be Brazil or Colombia in the the quarterfinals, if they play well, lose a close game to one of those teams, I I don't think Greg Berhalter would be fired off that. I think we're all projecting onto Matt Crocker the way we think things should be, but I've not gotten any vibe from him that this Copa America is that make or break semifinals or bust. He went through that exhaustive process. He rehired Greg Berhalter, felt like he was the right guy to steer the U.S. for another cycle, 2026. Yeah, if something disastrous happens before then, he would pull the plug on it. But I don't know that losing a competitive game to Brazil and a of years. So Copa you're America satisfied qualifier. with
0: moral victories going forward? Sure. Well, that's well, we'll get to your Brazil in a second here, but <laughs> evidently that's that's the attitude going forward. Um uh, when it comes to anybody else in this uh, in this group uh, does everybody agree here that those first two games, there should be an expectation of winning, getting six points in the yeah. first two games? Yes. And so then it comes down to that uh, to, uh, to that third game. And to your point, the possibility exists that if you don't finish first in the group, that you end up playing Brazil.
2: I was very impressed by the way Panama smoked Costa Rica in that Nations League quarterfinal. Oh, listen, five. Panama's a and good team, not a great team. the U.S. some trouble yep. over the years. So, yeah, no, absolutely. That, that,
1: that's not going to be a 3-4-0 game for yeah, the United no, States. I, I mean, this Thomas Christensen's a good coach. They went to the Gold Cup final once again. They knocked out a U.S. B team, B slash C team in the Gold Cup. But there's history there. That's going to be a lot of emotion. That's going to be an intense game. But I don't think in terms of the way that the tournament is set up, it couldn't set up any nicer for the U.S. The the weakest opponent in the tournament in Bolivia first, Panama second, going to be a little bit of a bloodbath. But, you know, this is something we talked about a little bit on the broadcast. Part of a tournament as well is that there's – Tournaments within the tournaments. So you have the group stage, which is the beginning, but it's about setting yourself up to then be successful in the knockouts. And as a coach and as a team, you have to find a way to be able to peak in the right moment. So I think the US has got to think about, like, let's say they win, they get three points against Bolivia, they get three points against Panama. You've now booked your ticket to the next round. It gives you a little bit of liberties to think about that last group match against Uruguay and the way in which you approach it personnel wise to think, look, do we go for it here and we smash through and give it our all against Uruguay? I'd like to see that, because I think these are our only chances to play these teams. So maybe you played a little bit of a weaker team against Panama, but then you're risking the last game. But this is about Greg Berhalter learning how to play his way through a tournament. You know, Lex, load management, your favorite Oh God, favorite don't, don't
0: start me, don't start me. Don't think me, okay? <laughs> let's get to uh, Group D here, okay? Brazil, Colombia, Paraguay, and either Costa Rica or uh, Honduras. I'll let you take this, my friend. Just uh, step I, aside I, and let him... Uh... I, I mean, listen, you, you've been very vocal about what this Brazil team is, and more importantly, what this Brazil team isn't. How do you think Brazil is feeling right now?
2: First off, I'd like to address something that took place tonight that really annoyed me. Okay. I put together a graphic for our TV show uh, chronicling Brazil's disastrous 2023. Uh, if you're watching us, I think we're going to throw it up now. This and did piss him off. This I came great. up with what I thought was a very clever title, Brazil's Anas Oriblis, which is Latin for bad year. Uh, Queen Elizabeth famously used yes. this in 1992 to describe a terrible year where Windsor Castle almost burned down, etc. Um, and both our producer Johnny Araya and our graphics person Mark Mason thought that said anus. Yeah, <laughs> I thought
1: it said Brazil's horrible anus. If I'm yeah. being honest,
2: yeah. it and, and, works either way. <laughs> uh, and thought it'd be inappropriate to put on television, so they changed that I think uh, said Brazil's bad beat. They're not cool. They're not cool. Announcing it, at you know. Know. I've been you know. saying that we have to start hiring more cultured people right? at Fox. I'm trying to help and I'm dealing good. with these imbeciles. A bit. Uh, but okay, listen. Um, a couple things. We, we've talked about the coaching situation at nauseum. The decision to wait for Ancelotti until the summer of 2024. And it doesn't sound like it's even a sure thing that he's coming. So so that, that was absolutely chaotic. But a point I made recently on the podcast is there's a larger, more macro issue with Brazil. Brazil is becoming a country that produces lots of good players, but not as many great players as they did in the past. There's a quantity over quality element to Brazil's talent pool. Uh, I have some theories as to why I think it has to do with some of the issues regarding the structure of Brazilian football. I mentioned that on the pod. Alexi didn't totally buy what I was saying. But whatever the reason why, I think we all agree. And In fact, you made that point on TV tonight that when you look at Brazil lineups now, lots of good players, but from a star power standpoint, it doesn't pop as much as it used yeah. to.
1: It, and so much of that is fallen to Neymar's shoulders. And I think it, it's why it makes sense that he feels so much pressure when he's wearing that great yellow shirt. And if he doesn't produce the moment, then Brazil aren't on the same level. And, you know, you, that's why you see the emotion from him. And now he's injured out with an ACL. And I watched this Brazilian team over the past couple of games. And sure, the game against Argentina, you know, there, there's fight, there's, there's bite, there's kicking, there's shoving, there's pushing, there's red cards, there's, you know, there's everything. But yet, I don't think for a single second, and I know we talk about pendulum swinging, that Argentina stand on that field now and they look at Brazil and the Maracanã or wherever and they think, "Oh, man, I don't I don't think we got a shot today." They went and beat them for the first time in Brazil's history. That stat blew me away. That was their first home loss, but you know, whether it's Vinicius, Rodrigo, Richarlison, uh, Gabriel Jesus, all very good players, but none of them in the category of phenomenal, you know, the Romario, Cafu, like it just doesn't I just don't look at this team in the same way. So to me, I, I'm interested in what, what really comes of Brazil now in this next cycle, because it's been, what, since 2002, since the World Cup? Last Copa America was 2019, but, yeah, they're not in the same level.
2: The silver lining of the Neymar injury is I'm hoping it creates the space for somebody to emerge, and we might see it at this Copa America. Could it be a Vinicius or Rodrigo, or somebody even younger, like an Endrick or a Vito Hockey, two players who your Mallorca are going to be facing in La Liga pretty soon. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the story. Are we going to see... Some some new players emerge, or players like Vinicius and Rodrigo take a step forward and show that they can carry that responsibility. So yeah, it's a fascinating I, how sure tournament. What do you feel business. is on
1: the coaching situation? Because never in my life did I imagine Brazil sitting there waiting no, for a coach to come and coach. Well, for, I mean, this is Brazil. It's ridiculous. Well,
2: you know, they, they after the latest World Cup failure, there was this feeling that the time has finally come for Brazil to hire a foreign manager. That it's not working with Brazilian coaches. There's this feeling in Brazil that Brazilian coaches have fallen behind and. You really need an elite manager. If you you got to look elsewhere, and so they they landed on Ancelotti. He's a guy that was receptive to the idea of coaching Brazil, but he did have this stipulation. that He said he'll he'll serve out his contract at Real Madrid, which runs until the summer of twenty twenty four. So then you know it became this issue. The Brazilian media does talk out of both sides of its mouth sometimes because Brazil has had cycles where they were lights out in qualifying, won Copa Americas, Confederations Cups, Olympics, but then they bombed out at the World Cup. And the consensus is well, the cycle was a failure then, Uh, nothing else matters other than the World Cup. So the Brazilian Federation did take the long view for once and say, the best manager we think we can get to win the next World Cup is Ancelotti, so we'll piece it together the first half of the cycle. Who cares if we lose a bunch of games there? As long as he takes over come 2024 and he leads us to the next World Cup, the story could have a happy ending. So it's an interesting approach. I mean, it's a larger philosophical debate about how important is having a coach in place at the start of a cycle for that four-year project. Um, you know, you guys are talking about the US possibly firing Greg Berhalter after the Copa America. Then you'd have to bring in somebody with just two years left until the World Cup. So the US will be confronted with that dilemma too. So yeah, so it, it's a very interesting conversation as far as what's going on. You, you look like you're dying to say no, something he's,
1: What he's doing is just winding up ready to unleash on Brazil right now. I'm,
2: I'm done, I'm done with Brazil,
1: all right? I mean,
0: if you're playing the drinking game at home, uh, Janet Jackson, what have you done for me lately? And they haven't done anything for anybody lately. And I think that they are living off of this yellow jersey. And they're living off of this past and this history. And to your point, they don't scare me. They don't scare me individually. And they don't scare me as a, as a team right now. They're a bunch of posers. Um, and I think that they're a bunch of paper... Ti- How do you say tiger in Portuguese? Chigre. Chigre. They're a Chigre. bunch of paper tigres Chigres.
2: So, so we, we keep saying, oh, my God, the U.S. could end up facing Brazil in the quarterfinals. But you would say bring it on.
0: Exactly. Bring it on. And if rumors are to be true and own uh, uh, um, Doug McIntyre. Oh, so, Dougie Mack, we had all his nicknames for him today on, on set. Uh, Doug McIntyre was reporting that the possibility that the U.S. could actually play Brazil before the tournament starts. So maybe they will get two bites at uh, Brazil going forward or maybe, maybe they just win their though. group, you know. <laughs> Uh, No, I I am not buying this Brazil team. It doesn't mean the U.S. can't lose to them. And it doesn't mean they're not talented right now. But we've given them the benefit of the doubt now. Why am I the Brazilian that you Brazilians need in order to say this? This should have been said a long time ago. We should acknowledge
2: the other three teams in this group.
0: Fine, go ahead. Colombia.
2: Colombia. Yeah, oh. Colombia, who recently beat Brazil in qualifying thanks to a double by Luis Diaz. Remember how great he was at the last Copa America? Some of the goals he scored yeah, that, in that tournament. In the bike. Oh, yeah. unbelievable. He was the breakout star of that tournament. He's blossomed into an even bigger star since then with Liverpool. It, it is amazing, though. Colombia missed the last World Cup, which was shocking to everybody. They had a stretch in qualifying where they went seven straight games without scoring a goal. Crazy. Which seems impossible with players like Hamas Rodriguez and Luis Diaz and Juan Cuadrado, um, and but no, but I, I think they, they're looking pretty good so far in this cycle. They've got a coach, I, Nesto Paraguay Lorenzo. Are
1: a, a mess at the moment, though.
2: Yeah, Paraguay. Um, you know, they can be frisky uh, if Enciso comes back healthy. Miguel Almirón. They've got some guys, and then uh, I think Costa Rica, or Honduras is cannon fodder in this group. Whoever gets yeah,
0: one. agreed. L- well, listen, uh, when we're talking about this this uh, this tournament in totality. I think it's really, really interesting that obviously, you know, these two, uh, these two confederations are coming together for this special Copa America. I think we can argue about Brazil and Argentina, something like that. But if you're coming, from, coming at it from a comfortable type of perspective, doesn't matter who wins as long as it is a comfortable team. Because God forbid, from their perspective, a, guest team, yeah. a CONCACAF team, I guess they're all guest teams, even though they've been playing in the U.S. God forbid a CONCACAF team were to win. How sweet would that be? If it was the United States and Greg Burhalter who ended up being the champions of <laughs> South America, that would be unbelievable. I would love, love, love to see that.
2: And I know, even though this tournament is being held in the United States and they love the money and the eyeballs that the U.S. brings, you think the way this whole draw was handled tonight, there was an element of Comna Ball flexing its muscle a little bit. We're not going to have an American up on stage. What
0: the hell was the that? The graphics
2: are going to be a Estados Unidos. It's not going to be a USA. I know you guys had a big oh, issue should... with that.
1: It, well, at least, you know, there is one thing that they paid homage to was Capitan, the oh, yeah. mascot. Yeah, right? We're to, we to talk about the mascot because there was, you know, as much as there was multiple versions of the grouping situation, there was also multiple versions of the mascot uh, that came out. Capitan had a wonderful, you know, entrance onto the stage, which I love Capitan, but I also love the new copy
0: Now keep in mind that when it comes to mascots, Stu, you were in Germany uh, last yeah, week, the right? Teddy they love team. they love yeah. a mascot, all right. And for those that have wa- those that have watched anybody that's been around in soccer for any length of time, you will have watched these draw shows. And at times they <laughs> they can be very confusing. They will make you scratch your head. At times there are. Awkward pauses and strange types of performances. Tonight we had a TED Talk, right, to kick kick the whole thing off. And then we actually went into the actual show. And then, look, as far as I'm concerned...
1: That's a good mascot. Look,
0: uh, red hair? Good. All right? Eagle? Or some sort of of bird? Good. But we lost it. And then you put my head on it. Stu, this is what Stu does. Stu's a pro, right? He's a pro. There he is. He's uh, off... I mean, that's not even Photoshopping. That is like it's ridiculous, but it is I, kind of I funny. I think that's a good looking it, it is kind of funny. Anyway, this is the mascot for <laughs> next summer. No, this is for the State of the Union. This is for the State of the Union, by the way. Uh, so next, uh, so next summer, well, for, well, back to your point there, I, I know we joke about it a little bit, but why wasn't there an American on stage uh, as as a, as a host? Why not
2: you? You were part of that team that uh, made it to the semifinals in 95, a run and, that did end against did Brazil, by the way. I'm,
0: I'm a pretty good Ball picker. Oh, rubber. no, you're the... Yeah. You're oh, there's some highlights like, of that game. 95, yeah, right. Brazil, USA. Whoa, look at that. Oh, look at you. Guarding Edmundo,
2: the Edmundo. animal.
0: The animal. The animal. Oh, look at this crap.
1: Oh, is that oh, Aldair with
2: the No, that's
0: not my guy. No. Who's in goal there? Uh, uh,
1: is
2: that
0: Miola? That's Casey, I think.
1: Where's Casey? Yeah. Uh, I'll get a look at here. it there. Oh, no. Wait. No, that's
0: Friedel. Freedom with hair. That's yeah. a hair with, You yeah. know, you guys- And, and, and air.
2: You, you guys, you lost the semifinal to Brazil. Yep. You then mailed in the third place game against Colombia, yep. which you always tell me is one of the great regrets of your career. Of I dreams. spoke to Kobe Jones recently during one of our U17 World Cup telecasts. I brought that up and he said, Alexi's right, I think about that too. You know, you don't get that many chances to play yep. for the US in a major tournament like the Copa America. And who are we to look down on a third place game, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, you live and learn, right? All right, listen, uh, next summer is going to be fun. Uh, we've, we've talked about the fact that we are going to have breakfast or brunch, if you will, with uh, the Euros and then segue right into lunch, dinner, dinner, whatever you want uh, when it comes to uh, Copa America. Again, we now know much better what this pathway looks like for uh, the U.S. As we start to uh, start to wrap this up. And it's starting to sink in as to who they're playing, what's going to what's going to happen here. I think we all would want, uh, and I think expect, to be quite honest, that this is a success as a tournament. We saw what happened in the Copa Centenario, raised a tremendous amount of money, uh, and it was incredibly successful. And again, as a as a kind of opening band to what is coming in 2026, this is going to be fun. This is going to be a fun, yet another fun uh, summer of soccer going forward. Are, are there any things that you haven't talked about today that you're looking forward to you know, now as I, we I, as we hit the next 11 I, months? I just think
1: is, if you're months, a U.S. fan months. and you're starting to think about, you know, what, what should you be looking for when it comes to this tournament? I mean, like, the biggest concerns for the U.S. are depth. I think we have a pretty good starting 11. I, I feel good about the little pieces and decisions we have to make but what does our roster look like from now until 26 from 12 to 18 that that i think is going to decide how far we can we can really go so that's one thing to be looking for the second part is how does this style continue to evolve now for greg burhalter to not only you know, against concacaf opponents look good dominate with the ball but against big teams, find ways to win. Because I'm with you. I'm tired of the let's look competitive and let's talk about it. wow, on Black Friday we look so good against England. But we tied. Let's beat these teams. Let's have a marquee performance, a marquee win for this team to look at as kind of a measuring stick of where we should really be going forward. So I, I'm excited because I think we finally start to get some real answers What are you looking for, my friend?
2: You mentioned the U.S. has a strong starting eleven, An eleven that, if it was up to you, would it have Timmy Way at right back? That was a big take you yeah, dropped you know, onto, on our show tonight.
1: I, I'm trying to get the best eleven players on the field, all right? That's
0: ridiculous. Um,
1: Can I just say, my... my, my thrown his you know, toys out of the stroller, so he's, he's on the bench for now.
2: My one larger point um, is that given that World Cup qualifying has already started in Conmebol, this tournament will be occurring against the backdrop of World Cup qualifying, and it's taking place in the country where the next World Cup is being held. I really feel like this Copa America is part of the run-up to the 2026 FIFA World Cup. It really gets us in that mode and thinking about that even Who's going to win? The Copa America? I'm going to go with Uruguay. Oh, jeez. Really? Yeah. You're really really like, uh, God,
0: he's really really smart. (sighs) That's why I...
2: Although, can I just say something? Uh, (laughs) uh, Stu tried to pass Uruguay off as a sleeper. On okay. our show today. That's a joke. N- not since Doug McIntyre picking Germany as his World I mean, Cup what, Dark horse okay, have so I heard something so before, ridiculous. What
1: we've seen from Uruguay in this most recent qualifying cycle, you would have had in the last Copa America, would have been what? All right, Argentina, so who are you picking? Who are you picking? Who are you picking? I'm going to go with Argentina. You're going to go
0: with Argentina. So now Uruguay and Argentina have been picked. I'm not They're going with these, Brazil. Oh, huh? I'll, I'll pick the U.S. I'll even pick Mexico. U.S. Yeah. or Mexico? Yeah, but Fine I'll pick the U.S. Right. Fine All right. Listen, a couple of things, uh, and I mentioned it on the uh, on the broadcast today that I'm looking for in 2024. Uh, number one is continued competition. Uh, there can be nobody that is set in stone when it comes to this group. And I know, again, we have fostered this group from little seedlings, and now they have grown into these incredible trees. But I don't want us to get complacent. I don't want Greg Berhalter or that staff to get complacent. And if there is somebody else that emerges over the next couple of years, and I hope that there is, we have to be able to say, you know what, you took us this far, but there might be somebody else uh, that's better. We might see them next summer. Who knows? We might see them in the, in the two years leading up to 2026. But I want that type of uh, type of competition. The other thing that I, I mentioned is the drama. I think we've had enough drama off-field. I'll talk about off-field drama for this team to last a lifetime, all right? So I wanted this to go, Some are gonna go perfectly, but I don't wanna have to deal with all the crap outside. Save the drama for your mama, all right? I don't wanna have to deal with uh, parents uh, getting involved. I don't want to have to he- deal with Greg Berhalter off in a TED talk doing that kind of stuff. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about. I don't have to deal with lawsuits or anything like that. I want to concentrate on the task at hand because that's how important it is. From your lips, my exactly. Friend. That's how important it is to soccer. Uh, to soccer going forward, and in order to do well in 2026, as I mentioned. I think this U.S. team and Greg Berhalter have to use 2024. And that's why it's so important next summer. So those are things that I'm wishing for when it comes to 2024. Last question.
2: I know you're heading to Columbus. Who do you got winning MLS oh. Cup? Oh,
1: Look, I, I was doing my work this morning ahead of the game. And I, I think a lot of the stats are favored in Columbus's way and the way in which they're so good at home. Uh, they're a team that has scored the most goals at home, yada, 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 down the list. I just think that LAFC have got a little bit something different. Could be Carlos Vela's last game for LAFC. Could be a Chiellini's last match as a professional. And I think having the experience from having won last year and the way in which they did, I think they walk into Lower.com Stadium and they say to the crew, thanks very much. I think you're going to get LAFC repeat. Wow. You?
0: I do too. I think yeah. so too. But I, w- but I will say this. You know, We were in Columbus for the last MLS Cup.
1: Yeah, (laughs) 1,500 people there or something, right?
0: It sucked. It was in old Maffrey Stadium, and there was a limit because it happened right smack dab in the middle of the uh, pandemic. 1,500 people limit uh, there. I am glad that Columbus is getting to celebrate what they have done their resurrection uh they they have risen from the ashes what a coach, if too. you will Wilford Nancy incredible Wilfred yeah. Nancy. that uh that organization the ownership obviously that incredible community a wonderful uh new stadium and environment uh that they have down there that uh that is going to be on display we'll see if they are at the end of the day also champions but
1: regardless I mean, this has I mean, they were been 1-2-0 against yeah. the number 1 team in the league and came back and won so who have you got
2: LAFC, let's make it three for three. So
1: three LAFC. The betting betting odds have it very even. Really? With maybe a slight little nod to Columbus.
2: All right, so you're off to
0: LAX and off to uh, Columbus. Do you take any sleep aids when you go uh, do an overnight Uh, flight? You have
1: melatonin here and there, yeah. Really? Yeah, but you know me, man. I run hard all day, and then that's I just true. That's crash. true. Well,
0: listen, we appreciate you uh, spending a little time, extra time. I know you could have been with your yeah, family. I'm going to do an uh,
1: AMA. I'm going to do an Alexi AMA. Oh, nice. from, uh, from when, the Red Eye. There we go, 37,000 feet. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> hello, Stu. Anything? Hello, Sunshine. For all of you, there are up in the middle of the night. <laughs> Stu's up
0: there cruising across this beautiful <laughs> land from coast to coast, or at least from, to the uh, to the Midwest over there. All right, safe travels over there. We will watch you this Saturday on MLS Cup. Can't wait to see. Uh, Thanks for the attendance, as always. Thanks to everybody that's tuned in. Uh, we are doing this. Uh, as we said, on all the different platforms out there. We will continue to do it uh, going forward. We have a good time. Uh, thank you for everybody that is uh, that is tuning in. Th- this is exciting stuff. Um, and while I know we sometimes talk about problems that we have when it comes to soccer on and off the field, There is so much more good, positive stuff going forward. And whether it's Copa America uh, or anything else out there, the future is bright, my friends, on and off the field. Keep reviewing and writing and subscribing and doing all the different things you do when it comes to the State of the Union podcast. Myself and my good friend, uh, David Mossy here. Until next week, when we'll be back with more State of the Union podcasts, size the day.